بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. We begin with Allah's blessed name. We praise Him and we glorify Him as He ought to be praised and glorified. And we pray for peace and for blessings on all His noble messengers, and in particular on the last of them all, the Blessed Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We have a very interesting day ahead of us. And we want to begin the day with a visit. We want to visit someone this morning. We want to visit a woman this morning. We want to visit a slave woman this morning. And we want to find out how did she become a slave? Who enslaved her? Why did they enslave her? We're not going to find out, well, how come you giving birth to your mistress? That would be another day. Who is this slave woman? We said to you yesterday that it was not by accident that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the angel Gabriel alayhi salam it would help me if you all please sit down and stop your conversations at the back please sit down and stop the conversations at the back it's distracting me do please, let's sit down, it's distracting me, just sit down. It was not by accident that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the angel, Jibra'il alayhi salam, at the very end of the life of the Prophet sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wasalam when there's, there's just days left before he died and then sent the angel in this profoundly dramatic way this does not happen by accident there is profound meaning profound implication profound significance in this event but you can only fathom that significance if you locate this event in a context the last age and then you study this event as part of a greater whole that has not as yet been done I have listened and I have heard many who have attempted to explain the slave woman giving birth to her mistress but I have not as yet come across anyone who has attempted to do this. This is work that this Ummah will have to do in the years that lie ahead. And all that I am doing is initiating the process for you, for something that you will have to accomplish tomorrow. He was asked five questions and we said to you yesterday you have to study the five questions as a whole and you have to discover the linkages between them the first three questions certainly form part one and the last two questions form part two and these five questions therefore are com comprised two parts Part one are stages that you must travel if you are to understand part two. You will not be able to understand part two unless you have traveled the stages of part one. And the stages of part one culminated with something that was profoundly 
spiritual, the strategic importance of Islamic spirituality. And part one also culminated, you remember that big word? Something that was profoundly epistemological. I'm sorry for using these big words. Epistemological. If you are to recognize and understand part two. There is an epistemological challenge the likes of which mankind has never experienced in history, which has come from modern Western civilization. It is a challenge to the sources of knowledge in which we recognize internal knowledge to be valid knowledge as well. And they say, no, that belongs to Disneyland. The scientific method does not admit of knowledge which is not observable, knowledge which cannot be subjected to an external critical evaluation. How do we respond to that? The most profound response ever given in the modern age to this challenge from the Western world is the profound response of a man named Muhammad Iqbal, a philosopher. He was not Arab, he was not African, he was from India. And the Indian intellectual caliber commanded respect. I want to ask you to look and find a book, The Reconstruction of Religious Thought in Islam. It's not taught in any Darul Uloom. <laughs> and when you find that book, go to the first two chapters, but make sure you have some headache tablets with you because he writes with a style that is so difficult. I read as a master's student in philosophy, I read those two chapters about 20 times for my exams and I never understood Iqbal until Suratul Kaf of the Quran, the passage that we dealt with last night. Suratul Kaf allowed me to understand Iqbal in those two chapters. When you have traveled the stages, first and second and third in part one, you will now be equipped to understand part two, the fourth question and the fifth question. And this is perhaps the most profound deficiency in Islamic scholarship today. To recognize the reality of this age, you need a new methodology. And it is there in those five questions. He was asked, what are the signs of the last day? Well, first of all, he was asked, when will the last day come? And he said, well, the one who has been questioned has no more knowledge than the one who is questioning. So I know who you are and I know how much you know. That is with Allah. And I have some knowledge and you have some knowledge. He didn't say I know nothing about it. And then the questioner asked, what are the signs of the last day? And he gave two, one which was so externally observable that you really have to be blind not to see it. The divine wisdom is at work in recognizing tall buildings escalating around the world particularly in Dubai, I understand. 
that when you see these tall buildings, you would know, hey, this is it, this is it, you are now living in that age. And if you're living in that age, there are profound intellectual challenges before you. Knowledge as traditionally transmitted is now in, in, inadequate. You have to augment traditional knowledge with something new and something greater than what you had before to be able to understand the reality of this new age and to respond to it adequately. From the time you see those tall buildings. And then the divine wisdom again is work, at work in giving a second sign, the slave woman, and talidal amatu rabbataha, that a slave woman will give birth to her mistress, not her master, her mistress. In these few words, Kalamul Anbiya, the words of the prophets, are huge knowledge in just a few words. And unless you stay with it and struggle and struggle and struggle to understand, to penetrate, Knowledge is not going to come to you on a platter. No. You will get nothing other than that for which you strive and struggle. You have to plant if you want to reap. And I have a story to tell you a little later about planting and reaping. And so we go back now to the slave woman who will give birth to her mistress. In order to understand how she becomes a slave woman, we have to go to those ten major signs of the last day. Number one is Dajjal. It is Dajjal who enslaves her. Who is Dajjal? He is the false messiah. He is known as Al-Masih Dajjal. And uh, I'm writing that book now. I could not write a word for the last three months because of this retreat. <laughs> so I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting for this retreat to over. So I can go back to that book. It is the fourth book in the quartet on Suratul Kef. The first was Suratul Kef, the text, the translation and modern commentary. And you have a little part of that in your folder. The second was Suratul Kef in the modern age and I enjoyed writing that book very much. The third was Gog and Magog. This was a more difficult book to write. When we praise and thank Allah, it's written. There's more to go into that book, but maybe a second edition. Insha'Allah. And the fourth and the last one is Dajjal, the false messiah, or the Antichrist. And then the quartet will be finished. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a promise to Banu Israel that he would send to them a prophet who would be their prophet, who would be known as Al-Masih, the Messiah. We're not so concerned with the meaning of the word Masih. What does it stand for? He's a prophet. And when he comes, he will bring back the golden age because he will rule the world the way Suleiman, alayhi salam, Solomon, ruled the world from Jerusalem, from the state of Israel. And that state of Israel of Suleiman alayhi salam was the greatest, the grandest state that history will ever see. He asked that Allah 
should grant this. Suleiman alayhi salam. And Allah granted him that wish. So holy Israel is the greatest state that mankind will ever, ever, ever witness and experience. But then holy Israel was destroyed. And Banu Israel were expelled. And while they were in Babylon, prophets were sent to them to communicate a divine promise. That Allah was going to send to you a prophet who would be your prophet and who would bring back that golden age. Who would rule the world from the throne of Dawood alayhi salam with a rule which will be eternal. And so they understood it to mean that we will rule the world one more time. And when we rule the world it would be eternal and that would be the end of history. This is there in their hearts. And so they're waiting for the Messiah to come. In order for the Messiah to rule the world as promised by Allah, he would have to do four things. Number one, he would have to liberate the Holy Land, which is under non-Jewish rule. Number two, he would have to bring the Israelite people back to the Holy Land to reclaim it as their own. Now they're in exile. Number three, he would have to restore a state of Israel in the Holy Land. Holy Israel must come back. And number four, Holy Israel must once again become the ruling state in the world. These are logical deductions. Don't ask me, which hadith did you find that in? <laughs> These are logical deductions. When Israel becomes once again the ruling state in the world, then the Messiah can rule the world from Jerusalem and with a rule which would be eternal. But when Allah sent the Messiah to them, He sent the Messiah in a way to test them and they failed the test because they said, she committed adultery. He is a bastard. And so they failed the test. And when he, as a, an adult, declared, I am the Messiah, the son of Mary, they said, no, a bastard cannot be the Messiah. And when he, as a child, performed all these miracles, when he spoke from the cradle, when he took mud and shaped it in the form of birds and blew into them, and by Allah's leave they became living birds and that's magic and so they missed the bus and then they conspired to have him crucified we want him killed but we want him killed in a manner which would conclusively demonstrate that he could not have been the Messiah if he is crucified then that will accomplish it because the Torah says that whosoever dies that way is the cursed of Allah and then they saw him crucified on the cross before their very eyes. There he is on the cross and he is dead before their very eyes. Now it is conclusively confirmed beyond the shadow of a doubt he could not have been the Messiah. Why? He's dead. He never ruled the world. What they did not know, and what no one knew for 600 years, was no. Appearance and reality were opposite to each other when he was born. Appearance and reality were opposite to each other when they attempted to crucify him. And appearance and reality would be opposite to each other when he comes back. Remember those three things.
When he was born, the appearance was that son of a bastard. He's a bastard. When they attempted to crucify him, the appearance was he's dead. The reality was that this was a virgin birth. The reality was that no, Allah made it appear like that, but he did not die. Death being the definition of mouth, that Allah takes the soul and does not return it. That is mouth, and that did not occur. But kullu nafsin dha'ikatul maut, every soul must taste mouth including the son of Mary. So one day he'll come back. And when he is to come back again, appearance and reality would be opposite to each other. I'm speaking a little faster this morning. Yesterday was slow. Prophet Muhammad said that Allah created a being and to use computer language program that being to function in a particular way to impersonate the true Messiah and he's known as Dajjal the great deceiver he got a PhD in deception the great impersonator and when Allah releases him into the world he is one of the major signs of the last day when he's released into the world his mission is to impersonate the true Messiah if he is to impersonate the true Messiah successfully, he must rule the world from Jerusalem. With a rule which would appear to be eternal, the end of history. In order for him to achieve that, he must liberate the Holy Land which is under non-Jewish rule. He's already accomplished that. Number two, he would have to bring the Israelite people back to the Holy Land to reclaim it as their own. Even though for 2,000 years they were in exile, he has already done that. Number three, he would have to restore a state of Israel in the Holy Land and get the Israelite people to believe that this is Holy Israel. In fact, it would be an imposter. He has already done that. Number four, he would have to cause that state of Israel to become the ruling state in the world. And that is where we are at this point in time. When Israel becomes the ruling state in the world, which is happening tomorrow, then a man will emerge in Israel. 1400 years ago, Prophet Muhammad described that man to us. He said that he would be a Jew. He said that he would be a young man. He said that he would be powerfully built. He said that he would have curly hair. That man would become the ruler of the state of Israel. I don't think he would be president or prime minister. I have a suspicion in my heart that Israel is going to become a monarchy. 
so Israel will have a king. <laughs> huh? And that man will become the king of Israel as David was King David and King Solomon. And he will then declare, I am the Messiah. But he would not be the Messiah. He would be Dajjal, the false Messiah, the Antichrist. It is only when he declares himself to be the Messiah and not one day before that, only when he declares himself to be the Messiah, only then will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cause some things to happen in the world. Imam al-Mahdi will now emerge. Don't ask me is Imam al-Mahdi born as yet? I have no interest in the subject. No, I'm sorry. It's not arrogance. Please don't misunderstand me. I have zero interest in the subject. I seek to know nothing more than the divine wisdom has ordained that I should know. And so don't ask me whether Khidr alayhi salam is a man and a prophet and I am not interested. I seek to know nothing more than the divine wisdom has ordained that I should know. I don't want to clutter my mind with that which is not important to me. It is at that time when he declares himself to be the Messiah. Only then would Imam al-Mahdi emerge. Only then would the son of Mary return. Only then would Dajjal be killed. Only then would a Muslim army liberate the Holy Land in conformity with the verse of the Quran in Suratul Isra, otherwise known as Suratul Bani Israel, Allah said to them, He warned them, the first time they betrayed Him and violated the covenant, He sent a Babylonian army which destroyed them. The second time of Fasad, وَقَضَيْنَا إِلَىٰ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ فِي الْكِتَابِ لَتُفْسِدُنَّ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَّتَيْنِ In the second period of Fasad, I wish that Sheikh Muhammad Mutawazi al-Sha'arawi were here, Rahimahullah, because he differs with me on this. The second time they committed the Fasad, corrupting the Holy Land, betraying Allah, violating the government. He sent an army and the army destroyed him. It was a Roman army. And then he said, Just a few words. And in those few words is located the Muslim army. If you return, meaning to the Holy Land, with your wickedness, with your oppression, with your godlessness, we will return with our punishment. And so a Muslim army will now liberate the Holy Land. I don't need the hadith from Khorasan. If you say that it is weak, it doesn't matter to me. Because I have the Quran, in Uddum Udna. And then the truth will prevail in the Holy Land. And the true Messiah will rule the world from Jerusalem. And the truth which came with Muhammad will prevail in the world. This is the introduction to Dajjal, the false Messiah. When will he be released into the world? 
Those of you who have been listening to my lectures and reading what I've written so far would be familiar. But in Trinidad, people don't seem to be interested in reading my books. So I have work to do here in Trinidad. A man came to the Prophet in Medina. His name was Tamim Dari. He was Christian, he converted to Islam, became a Muslim. And he communicated to the Prophet some information about an event which took place. When we study the event critically, we come to the conclusion this could not have been an actual event, it had to be a vision. He said, he spoke about his, his experience to the Prophet Hadith is in Sahih Muslim and the Prophet said to the people, sit down, sit down in the masjid. I have something to say to you. Tamim Udari came to me and told me something about Dajjal which confirms what I've been saying to you. And now we have the event from the lips of the Prophet that Tamim Udari and some of his companions, about 30, 40 of them, went on a ship. And a storm came and drove them on the seas for a whole month. And after one month of travel, they came to an island. And when they got on shore, they were confronted by a very hairy beast. So much hair, now you're going to have to excuse me for this one. Eh? So much hair, you couldn't tell which side was head and which side was tail. Like you have problems now in lower Manhattan to tell who is a man and who is a woman. And then the beast spoke and said, I am Jassasa. Voila! Tajassasu, Suratul Hujurat, a spy. And said, there's someone waiting to see you, pointing to a monastery which is lying in ruins. So number one, an island, which is about one month's distance from the Arab world. Number two, an island with expertise in spying, in espionage, James Bond kind of stuff. Number three, an island in which religion will eventually crumble, collapse, lying in ruins. And most of the people will become atheists. Those of you who came down from London on that flight, please keep quiet. So they, they hurried to the monastery which was lying in ruins. And there they came across a man, powerfully built, in chains, in chains, with his hands chained to his neck and his feet chained. If uh, a burglar enters into your home and you catch hold of him, that's the best way to tie him up. With his hands chained to his neck and his feet chained. You okay when you have him tied up like that. So, an island. One month. Expertise in spying. 
collapse of religion. And so eventually an island of only atheists. And there was the jail in chains. And he said, I am the jail. And he began to question them. Has the Arab prophet, Arab prophet, come as yet to Medina? The Arab prophet. They said yes. And he asked a number of other questions. And I want you to study those questions carefully now. Do the work that I don't have the time to do anymore. He asked, is there any water left in the Sea of Galilee? And they said, yes. And we will, I think on Monday or Tuesday, return to the Sea of Galilee. And then he announced that I am Dajjal. And when I am released, so up to this moment, he is not yet released into the world. This is Medina. This is the beginning of the period of Medina. When I am released, I will enter every town and every city. Which is why we chose Barakpur, because this is a village. When I am released, I will enter every town and every city. But I'll not be allowed to enter Mecca and Medina, for the angels will guard me. This is a profoundly important hadith. Prophet Muhammad went on to say that when Dajjal is released, he'll live on earth for 40 days. One day like a year, one day like a month, one day like a week. And all his days, meaning all the rest of his days, like your days. And in the Bible, the mark of Dajjal is 666. Meaning, 600... And then 60, and then 6, and our prophet says, a day like a year, that's the 600, a day like a month, that's the 60, a day like a week, that's the six. It's the same thing, using different languages. Now then, which island is it? Because when he's released, it is from that island that he will commence his mission to eventually rule the world from Jerusalem. I have said, this is my answer. You don't have to agree with me. But if you say that I am wrong, you must tell me what is right. Is that fair? Britain became the first ruling state of the modern world after the Jewish-Christian alliance was established in Europe and modern Western civilization was born. 
the scientific and technological revolution commenced in Britain. And I want to commend to you, those of you who want to pursue your PhD, go and do it in the scientific and technological revolution. Study it. Study Boy's Law. Study the emergence of the steam engine. Study how steam took over from the horse and the cart. Hmm? Study the emergence of the aircraft. The scientific and technological revolution is still continuing. There's more to come. But it started in Britain. That's the heart of it. Britain ruled the world. Ruled Britannia. The sun never set on the British Empire. And then Britain produced money after the Bank of England was created in 1676 or somewhere around there. And the sterling pound became the ruling currency in the world. And then Britain showed a mysterious inexplicable relationship with the Holy Land which cannot be explained by normal tools of political analysis. I argue that only Muhammad could explain it. And then there is the Balfour Declaration. I wish I had the time to expand on this but you've already read my books and you've already studied the subject. And then Britain gave way to a second ruling state, the United States of America. I believe that I am perhaps the first to have interpreted and applied the Hadith this way. And that there are many now in the world who are agreeing with my analysis. When the Jal was in a day like a year, having been released in that island, the island was Britain. And Britain ruled the world for a day like a year, which is a 600. And when Britain gave way to the United States, and when you listen to my lecture on Dajjal, we have the DVD there, you get evidence from me. I don't have the time to repeat it now. The United States became the second ruling state in the world, and the U.S. dollar replaced the British pound. And the United States maintains a sinister, mysterious relationship with the Holy Land and with Israel. And I say that this is a day like a week. And that the United States will not remain as the ruling state in the world indefinitely. Rather, the United States will rule the world for a much shorter period of time than Britain. Where does Imran Hussein get that knowledge from? Where? Who taught him that? It's not taught in any of the schools of diplomacy. No political scientist in the world speaks like this. Who is he? <laughs> I am simply interpreting words spoken in Arabia 1400 years ago by a man who could not read and could not write. It is Muhammad who is explaining. And when the United States is to give way to a third and a last ruling state in the world, then the US dollar will no longer survive as the ruling currency in the world. Fifteen years ago, and for the last fifteen years I've been saying this, and those here in Trinidad will bear evidence if they've heard my lectures. Yes, Imran was saying this, the US dollar is going to collapse. And nobody else was saying it. It's now happening. And so, a third and a last ruling state must emerge and a new international monetary system must emerge to replace the Bretton Woods Accord in which the US dollar was given the status of the ruling currency in the world. We have more to speak about in the next session. 
on this subject. I have suggested that a day like a month is now coming to an end. And a day which is like a week is about to commence. There's no one else who's saying that in the world of Islam. I'm the only one. But events which are unfolding are confirming this analysis. If they ask me, where is the hadith? Why doesn't he quote the hadith? We didn't see in the hadith that Britain is the ruling state and that is stage one. I have to say to them, well, just wait and see. Events which are unfolding are confirming the validity of this hadith, so I don't have to bother with your criticisms. In order for Britain to become the ruling state in the world, in order for the United States to become the ruling state in the world, and in order for Israel to become the ruling state in the world, and then for Dajjal to emerge and declare, I am the Messiah, they had to wield a formidable weapon. A terrible weapon they had to wield to achieve this. And that weapon is riba. It is not by accident that the very last revelation to come down in the Quran came down after the farewell pilgrimage, after the farewell sermon, Allah sent down, Al-Yawm akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati this day have I completed my favor unto you. This day have I perfected your religion for you. And then they returned to Medina. And on the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, in the hadith recorded in Sahih Bukhari, the last revelation to come down was a revelation on riba in Surah Al-Baqarah. And in that revelation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared war, war. If you do not give up what remains of your demand for riba, فَإِلَّمْ تَفَعَلُوا فَأَذَنُوا بِحَرْبِ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ then take notice of a declaration of war from Allah and His Messenger. In the next session, it's going to be interesting for you. Why has Allah prohibited riba? What is riba? And how has riba been used as a weapon? in order to enslave mankind, to produce the slave woman. Not only has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chosen riba as the last revelation in the Quran, and that is not by accident. No. But he has returned to the subject of riba in the visit of the angel Jibra'il with the slave woman. In addition to which Nabi Muhammad has spoken on riba, he has cursed. He who was sent as rahmatul lil alameen. I don't want to spoil your refreshments which are there waiting for you. <laughs> But he has cursed all four and declared that they are all equally guilty. The one who takes riba, the one who gives riba, the one who records the transaction, 
and the two witnesses. And he said, whosoever consumes even one dirham of riba, not only did the Prophet curse all four, but he also declared that whosoever consumes even one dirham of riba, and I want you to hold on to that word, dirham, it is equivalent to committing adultery 36 times. That riba is the weapon which was used to enslave the people and through whom the slave woman has come into the world.